On this episode of Delivering Marketing Joy, I get to talk with Gene Geiger about why culture is king and why you cannot create vision in a vacuum. Well, hey there, and welcome to another brand new edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hossaman. And I am thrilled. I'm honored today to be joined by Gene Geiger, who is CEO and head Geiger at Geiger. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Gene, you and I met. uh, I had the opportunity to visit your company at the Geiger Galleria um, last year. And I'm I'm totally honest with you. I was really impressed. The, The thing that came away from me was that everybody was just so kind. Everybody was really nice, and it felt like that was a part of the culture. And so I wanted to ask you how important it is, how, how important is culture when you're trying to create an organization like yours? Every organization uh, has a culture or should have a culture, and it should be pretty clear and defined. I mean, there's a whole lot of ways of running a business. There's no one way of doing this sort of thing. But you sure want to have a culture that is clear and understandable and consistent and so there's a set of values that people uh, understand, that unify people, and may have may in fact nudge out some people that don't fit. Right. Because you want everyone sort of in in this together and working together, and you want to have a set of values in this culture that help people make decisions. Mm-hmm. If 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 you have a set of values, when Joe Blow or Susie Q over there has to make a decision. They can make a decision because they know what I think, what we think, what we do, how we handle things. So uh, everyone is sort of, you want everyone to be living this identity. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that, that value system wants to be clear. Um, in our case, we're, we're one of the larger businesses, distributorships in the industry, mm-hmm. but we're a family business. Mm-hmm. And we're now going into the fifth generation of Geiger. Actually, we're the oldest distributor in the industry, and we are um, probably the largest family-owned, managed firm. Mm -hmm. And so we think of ourselves as a family. We think of ourselves as people who care about each other, work together, um, and and are not necessarily – we're trying to make money. We're trying to make a buck at the end of the day. That's a nice idea. Uh, but that's not the only thing that drives us. We basically exist not for shareholders to make money. We exist for our stakeholders, mm-hmm. our salespeople who are not employees, our employees, and uh, the Geigers to sort of have a place where we can make a life, make a career, make a buck, and help each other grow and prosper. Mm-hmm. And so that's our characteristic. And I'd like to think that we have that that warm feeling culture that you talked about. Um, at least it seems like that to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there are a whole lot of other companies in this world who do it other ways. But I think ours is pretty clear and crisp. Yeah, no, it's funny, you know, Gene. When when I first got into business, I remember, you know, it wasn't as well thought out as what yours is. But I just said, look, I want to create a culture that I want to come to work in. And then that's evolved into, you know, as we've created our culture, you are totally right in the sense that I've found that 
uh, employees start to come back at me and saying, well, look, th- this decision needs to match up with our values. And that was when I knew we were on track, right? When, when they start to quote them back to you. Well, you think about this, um, especially uh, where good people are hard to find and where if, if the only thing people are looking for is to make a buck, they are not going to stay forever at your place. Uh, those kind of people are going to go somewhere else. Right. But people who stay with you love the culture, love the people, love the fulfillment, love the whole thing. They want to make a buck and you got to pay them and so on. But, but they stick because they love coming into work and they feel a sense of fulfillment by doing so. Yeah, no, I, I, well, it's, it's clear with your organization and I'm not blowing sunshine. I really did enjoy my time there. Um, the other thing I've, I've learned about you is that you've been a real product, uh, or a more, a real champion, excuse me, for, uh, product safety with our, within our industry. Why, why, why do you feel like that's so important? Well, part of it is I was on the board of the PPAI when this whole thing came along. And then after I got off, I was asked to participate in this, Mm -hmm. but it is so, is so important for our industry and for our businesses. First of all, you sort of have to start thinking about this as, as we live in this world where news is on 24 hours a day, where there's social media, where people know a whole lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and they know a lot about the con or they think they know, or they hear a lot about the consequences of the products that they use, especially where there's problems that comes up. You hear about uh, McDonald's has cups that get recalled because there was cadmium in the thingamajig and oh my God. So people are more knowledgeable, but you tend to hear about the negative things and therefore you tend to be more fearful as well. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got people, citizens who are caring about this stuff more and more, then you certainly have a flow into legislators and regulators who, whose job it is to respond and to keep people safe, to protect consumers. Mm-hmm. So this has become a reality. And so in our case, our business is, is amplifying uh, brands and protecting brands. We're in the amplification and brand protection business. Mm-hmm. And so, Part of our job is to, like uh, the doctor's doctor's oath, do no harm. Mm-hmm. So customers expect or the buyers and the people that use the stuff that we deliver expect products to only be positive. No one expects to have a negative consequence. Mm-hmm. If there is a negative consequence, holy mackerel. Bad news travels faster than good news. And if someone is hurt, what happens? Social media, uh, the Tampa Bay Gazette, the San Francisco, whatever, the Coshocton <laughs> Times. Uh, and, and so we are going to lose a customer. We're going to lose business or a customer if we deliver stuff that harms people. Mm-hmm. In a more global sense, in terms of our industry, uh, you want to have Every company, every marketer, every sales department, every firm that can buy or, or every company who has, who has uh, budgets for marketing, you want to have everyone thinking, boy, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have them thinking, geez, I don't trust uh, yeah. pens, uh, balloons, coffee mugs. I'm better off 
spending more money with Google or on TV advertising or something else. Mm-hmm. You want to have this be seen as a friendly uh, place for advertisers to be. And I'm involved with PPAI, who is trying to do everything it possibly can to promote itself and to be able to say to advertisers, we got this under control. Mm-hmm. We got a whole system that makes it makes it more certain or, or more likely that the stuff you buy from us is going to be only a positive for you. Mm, yeah, no, and I appreciate your effort on that. I know it's a really important issue, and I appreciate the role PPAI is playing in it well as well. Final question for you. Uh, you know, I know being or I believe being a leader in a large organization is tough. Um, so, where do you find inspiration for creating your vision and your company's vision? Well, you know, first of all, anyone who's in business has to read and read and read and read and read. And so you read every day, but you make sure you read stuff that is outside of our Mm. realm uh, because everyone's working on the same issues, more or less. And right now, e-commerce is driving me crazy. And so I'm watching all kinds of stories about uh, um, uh, Vistaprint, uh, Simpress, which is a parent company, Amazon. Alibaba, you name it. So I'm paying attention to all that sort of thing. And then not a whole lot happens uh, when you're sitting at a desk generally. So you need to be actually out somehow engaging, listening, talking, wherever the heck it is. Because frankly, the best ideas sort of shoot out from a comment that you made or a comment that's made by somebody on stage or a conversation or me talking to you and, and you said X and it's like, oh my God, you talked about the culture and oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. And so you, you, you see all these things you, you, and you connect the dots to fit to your experience and, and what seems to resonate with you. But nobody has got the whole thing figured out. So, I mean, so, so you know, even if I've got a whole bunch of ideas, sure as heck, 75% are mediocre, so-so, misguided. So you can't do a vision in, in a vacuum. So within one's one's orbit, you're you're testing, you're saying, you're listening, you're responding, you're having people tell you you're wrong, uh, you you add things, you change things, and so within sort of your your leadership world and with with everybody, you're constantly talking about what you think and does this make sense? And how do I refine it and so on? And we have a, a sign in in uh, all of our conference rooms here. Uh, where it says basically, uh, no one in this room is smarter than all of us. Um, you know, like it takes all of us to pull this whole thing off. And uh, in the end, uh, it's a constant process. In terms of your vision, it's always being refined, rethought, re- recalibrated, reinvigorated. Um, you still have to have sort of a general long-term thrust, but but you're you're never done. And every day something new comes up, and you say, oh my God, what are we going to do now? To to adjust to that. Yeah. No, I love that. You finding inspiration everywhere for sure. Well, you've uh, answered my three questions. I give everybody a chance to ask me one. Do you have one for me? Well, um, over the weekend, I, I uh, uh, picked up, uh, or I went online and picked up uh, 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 a story out of, out of uh, PPB, uh, PPAI's magazine. And um, it was called the I don't know, generational issue or, or something rather. I got to thinking about this, about 
how are we going to adjust? We've been, we've been talking about this forever, or not forever. For a long time we've been talking about it, but it just made me think again about um, our customers, particularly the, the emerging millennial generation, collectively are, are um, researching, learning, shopping in ways that are different than what we used to do. They communicate differently, they react differently, um, don't want to be talking to people personally, they don't want to talk on the phone. The people that are going to buy from us in the future are different than the persons that buy, bought from us 10 and 20 years ago. In this industry, more people than not are of an older generation than millennials. How do they, how do we adjust to be able to be relevant to people that are buying now and increasingly the future and who tend to shun people and and are are just different than making decisions in a different way than we make decisions or had been making decisions. No, yeah, it's a, it's a but that, if you can answer that question We've, we've got a, a place for you around the corner here to, to fix our company or make our company better. Let's put it that <laughs> Well, I don't know if I have uh, the ultimate answer, but I, I, you know, I, it's a great question. Um, and I think that what, what I find is that the thing that I found with dealing with uh, the next generation, millennials or whatever, it's a, it's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, Gene. I think that so, so many of us Talk about them as if that generation is if they're the problem. In reality, in every industry, we need to evolve to where the customer goes. I remember when I first got into this industry, I used to drive my car to an industrial park, park my car, and then walk around. Why? Because that's where my customers were. Um, that's not, you know, so many times now we need to do the same things we were doing in the past to build relationships. Because, by the way, millennials still value relationships, despite what you may have heard. Um, but we need that, to meet where they are. That's that's a that's a very good. Well, I don't want to interject myself mm-hmm. in this, but but that's a really good point for us to for me to hear and to absorb. Yeah. They still value relationships. Oh yeah, I I think so, and I just think we need to meet them where they are. Just like I used to with my car, I need to meet them through social media, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, Snapchat, whatever. But we need to tell our story in a way that they're consuming it. And you know, it's funny because. It used to be like, oh, we, we needed to build relationships, we needed to provide value, we needed to get referrals, we needed to do all that stuff s- still, but we need to do it in a platform that reaches them where they are. I mean, frankly, it's just respectful, right? As if, for, for our customers, if that's who's going to be buying, we need to meet them where they are, not expect them to come to us. Now, you know, we do this through social and content, um, but that's that's what I think, and that's obviously that, why I'm doing I think this. That's- makes eminent sense. People are people. Young people are people do things in a different way than we are, were familiar with. Mm-hmm. We better, as you said, the key thing is go to where they are mm-hmm. and interact with them using the tools that are comfortable for them. Exactly. Uh, and obviously in the end, you also have to add value. It's not just yeah. relationships. It's, it's um, whatever it is that we do, we better be doing more than just selling a product agreed because if it's just selling a product then we're price shopping and, and we're competing with everybody so what kind of value can we add for those that that are 
seeking our, our solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gene, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime, okay? Fantastic. All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching, but wait, can you do me a favor? Please subscribe to my channel. If you haven't done it already, the way to do it's right over here. And hey, if you want to watch the last episode, check that out over here. Again, before you leave, subscribe. <laughs>